All right, here we go. Welcome to the Rod of Iron Podcast, Fundamental Baptist, breaking down discussions, dogma, and daily events. I am your host, Pastor Bruce Mejia, First Works Baptist Church, here in beautiful Southern California, and I'm joined by the fundamentalist, Brother Cody Hauk. Thanks for being on the show today. And of course, we have Brother Ulysses Hernandez on the board. Today, by the way, this is season four, if I'm not mistaken, and I don't know what episode this is. We might switch it around. It might be episode one. It might be episode two. We'll see how it goes. You guys will enjoy it either way. And by the way, the episodes will be updated continuously on Spotify, not just the audio, but even the video itself is on Spotify. So make sure you follow us on Spotify. And, you know, if YouTube deletes us, oh, wait, yeah, they already deleted us, mm. um, you know, uh, coincidentally, they de- deleted us in the month of June, at the beginning of June. Uh, I don't know why. I just, I don't know what they got against me or our church. Just a weird time to choose. Yeah, it's I very weird. They didn't want to do it in May, you know. Yeah. They didn't do it in April. So it's kind of weird. They're just like, you know, June's a good day to delete them. I mean, wh- what was I going to preach on Sunday that would get them so motivated and, and just kind of encourage them? to delete me i don't know oh by the way i'm preaching on lgbtq history on sunday so maybe that was i don't think that was it no i don't think so yeah maybe it's a preemptive strike or something yeah maybe they didn't didn't even they didn't even let you they didn't even wait till you had a video (laughs) that was controversial enough well the way i see it i'm kind of like elijah of youtube because elijah when you study elijah's life he just came out of nowhere he preached against a bunch of people did a bunch of great exploits and then he was like out. <laughs> and I came, I exposed the chosen. It went viral to the point where the chosen responded. I you know, like I, I was able to preach a bunch of sermons and then I'm gone. <laughs> and we you know we were able to reach people through even the small YouTube channel that we had. Yeah. We were about to reach like five thousand subscribers, but the channel had hundreds of thousands of views. But who cares? And so the the Rod of Iron podcast episodes are still on Spotify. They're on our website. But you can go to Spotify. In fact, do us a favor and go on Spotify, download the app, and give us a good rating on there. Put a comment, and we'll make sure we put polls on there for this particular podcast. You can answer. You can ask questions. And uh, so please make sure you do so. Brother Cody, how's it going? Pretty good. We were just talking about powerlifting. Yeah. And Cody's getting Get, back into getting that back a into bit. it. So a little. that's pretty cool. Well, today's episode is a little different. We're going to talk about uh, Old Testament laws. And we're just going to kind of do an overview of some of the laws and uh, the categories of God's laws. Mm-hmm. The reason I want to talk about God's laws is because, you know, it's, it's important to emphasize what the law says in the month of June, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because people have a tendency to forget, they overlook these things. So it's important for us as Christians, as believers, we are, the churches are the moral conscience of the nation. And so we're here to remind everyone, what does the Bible say about these particular things? And it's important to, to emphasize God's laws, not for salvation, because the Bible says that the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. We're talking about the fact that you know, after salvation, we're obviously not under the law per se. Mm-hmm. However, there are laws, moral laws, uh, capital laws, civil laws that God wants us to adhere to. Now, there's right. nothing we can do about the fact that the government, the powers that be, the magistrates of this world do not want to adhere to it, but it's still our responsibility to, t- to talk about it. Right. And so I want to go over those laws, and we're going to be reacting to a particular person 
uh, who made a video about me on Instagram, actually. I forgot what his name is, but I guess it doesn't really matter because he uses pronouns in his bio. And he, he reacted to my um, reel that I made on Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay. He, you know, he, he claims to be a Christian. Um, he has a PhD in theology and, and all this stuff. And so uh, he made a video exposing my video and just kind of um, saying some really stupid things. So we're going to be reacting to his reaction. And then I'm going to be correcting some of the things that he says. And so we're looking forward to a great episode. Brother Cody, you ready? Yes, sir. All right, let's get it started. says that the law of the Lord is perfect, right? So what is the Bible referring to when he talks about the law? What do you think? It's talking about the Old Testament laws, the law, the, the books of Moses, all the commandments found within those books, but even all the rest of the books in the Old Testament as well. Just, yeah. But, but primarily it would be the law of Moses. Right. And sometimes, you know, when the Bible uses the term law, if it talks about the law of God, you know, it could be referring to the word of God in general, mm-hmm. the statutes of the Lord, the testimonies of the Lord, the precepts of God. And so we can say the laws of God and be referring to the entire Bible, yeah. right? Just as we can say the word of God, and it refers to also the laws of God. Mm-hmm. It can refer to, you know, the testimonies of the Lord, which in my opinion, when the Bible talks about the testimonies of the Lord, it's kind of referring to like the stories that we find in the Bible, right? Where God is testifying of these particular people and, the, and their exploits, their good or evil deeds. Those are the testimonies of the Lord, the things that he testifies of. Precepts and statutes are essentially synonymous. They're referring to essentially the teachings of the Bible, yeah. the commandments, right, of the Bible. But you can categorize these, you know, in in uh, specific, with specific topics, you know, precepts and statutes being the commandments of the Lord and the laws being like you, like you mentioned, the laws of Moses, the mm-hmm. laws that were given at Mount Sinai. Right. Okay. Now, you know, when we think about the law being the law of Moses, you know, as far as it being written in stone here in this world, it didn't exist ex- essentially prior to Moses going to Mount Sinai. Right. 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 But here's the thing is that, the law of God has always been written in our hearts. Yeah. So God gave the law of Moses, what people would commonly refer to as the Ten Commandments. And then, of course, there's an expansion of that found throughout the book of Exodus and in Deuteronomy, where it gives you like the specifics, right? The details of the law in regards to treat how to treat your neighbor, civil laws uh, for capital punishments, right. um, but also ceremonial laws, Yep. right? dietary laws yeah things of that nature ordinances of how to do the sacrifices yeah um what to do you know what the you know the levitical priesthood how they're supposed to conduct themselves how they're allowed to go into the holiest of holies to make sacrifices all of those things yeah what they would refer to as like the ceremonial laws right so again when we talk about the law of god we talk about the word of god but more specifically we're referring to the law of moses 
And then there's actually even more details because those are broken up into categories, mm -hmm. being ceremonial, um, moral. dietary, moral laws, civil laws, yeah. capital, capital laws. These are things that essentially the children of Israel as a functioning government, as a functioning nation under a functioning government, under a theocracy, should I say, mm -hmm. were to adhere to in order to have a successful society in the eyes of God, right? Yep. Like these were the laws that were supposed to be instituted and it included those ceremonial laws such as the animal sacrifices, um, the laws of cleansing yeah. when women had children, when uh, when people had diseases such as leprosy. Right. Those laws were instituted in a specific manner um, during that period. And so we esteem all the, all of those laws. We there are the they're the word of God, it's the law of God. That's what God uh, had for his people. However, you know, the Bible does seem to indicate, though, that the laws of God, obviously, because it's the word of God, existed prior to Moses going to Mount Sinai. Right, right. And the reason we know this is because the, it's the word of God, and therefore the word of God has been in heaven. You know, it's it will it's forever settled in heaven, right? Yeah. But not only that, Romans chapter 2 talks about the law of God written in our hearts. Yeah. Okay. And how even the Gentiles, referring to commonly describing those who are not saved, having the law of God in their hearts. Yeah. And that would be referring to the moral law, which is, you know, because even Gentiles who, you know, they weren't in Israel, they still knew it was wrong to murder. They still knew it was wrong to steal and to yeah. lie. So all these things <clears throat> came natural to these people where they knew in their hearts that it was wrong to do certain things. Right. The Bible says, when the Gentiles, which have not the law, are law unto themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, and the fact that their conscience bear wi bears witness to them of the laws of God. And so it, it's not referring to the ceremonial laws. Right, right. You they know, they wouldn't have known in their heart to keep the Sabbaths, exactly. Sabbath days or something like that. Exactly. And even though the Sabbath is part of the Ten Commandments, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a moral law. Right. Murder, moral law. You know, um, covetousness, mm -hmm. theft, adultery. These are moral things or civil laws. But because the Sabbath is included in the Ten Commandments, somehow people think, oh, that means that, you know, we should still keep that particular law. But just because it's included doesn't mean anything. And in fact, the Ten Commandments is commonly referred to as the covenant. Mm -hmm. And according to the Bible, that old covenant has been done away with. And we're in the new covenant. But that's not to say that God's moral law is not still instituted because God right. still expects for us as God's people and human beings just in general to adhere to those laws. How do we know that? Well, again, Romans 2 talks about the Gentiles having the law of God in their hearts. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we obviously know that there are certain things in the New Testament that have been repealed. Right. That are no longer, uh, they no longer have authority. Yeah. Which would be the ceremonial laws. Dietary laws. The dietary laws. Those are all. Laws of cleansing. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's a specific reason why they're no longer instituted. Yep. However, the more laws still exist because of the fact that it's essentially interwoven into a person's conscience that is supposed to uh, kind of help them to respond to the light that God gives them. Yeah, yeah. And so in light of the law of God written in our hearts, which the Bible refers to as the light that God gives us, and in light of the laws of God written in our hearts, you know, we, we seek after the truth. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the reasons why the Bible says that the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. The law can't save anybody. Right. It can't make anybody righteous. It's essentially God's standard, and it's to show us, it's to demonstrate our incapability of keeping all those laws, which right. is why James 2.10 states, 
whosoever keepeth the whole law, yet offend in one point, he is guilty, guilty of all. Yeah. And to say, well, no, that's, you know, the law, the moral laws were instituted at Mount Sinai. Well, yeah, they were given on tablets, mm -hmm. and they were essentially governed, right, where someone, where there's like a, a system of checks and balances in Israel mm -hmm. to say, if you stole, you need to make sure you, you, you give, uh, you recompense the, uh, the person you stole from, or if you committed adultery, you deserve the death penalty. If you committed these abominable acts that, uh, that merit the death penalty, someone needs to institute that. Yeah. But those things were wicked even in times past. Right, so God right. still had the same view even prior to Moses going to Mount Sinai to receive those tablets. Yeah. After Cain slew Abel, God even instituted that no one, no one is to take Cain's life and no one's to murder. And, and, and basically, if you killed someone, you know, you would be killed at that point, too. Yeah. And that was, that was before, you know, Moses went to Mount Sinai and, and, you know, God instituted his laws and written them on those tablets yeah. there. Yeah. And so and, and people bring up the, the subject of like, OK, why weren't why was not the death penalty instituted for these particular crimes prior to the law of Moses? If they were still if they were still a thing in the very beginning, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the reason why because there's not a functioning government to carry those things out, right? Because God, along with, for example, the Institute of Marriage, He established that institution, mm -hmm. and He also established the institution of government. But if you don't necessarily have a nation with qualified individuals who are without who hate covetousness, they love righteousness, they love truth. They are just individuals. You're not going to have a, a government that can institute God's laws in in, in an appropriate way. You understand? Yeah. And so, to say, well, those laws didn't exist, or you know, uh, it wasn't a crime back then. It was a crime. It's just no one was able to punish it in those times. Yeah. Okay. He yeah. said, "Why? Why didn't God do it? Well, you know what? He actually did do one time uh, institute some punishment. And in fact, there's throughout the book of Genesis." He took it upon himself to slay certain individuals. Right, right. Right? And the one of the most famous ones is Genesis 19. <laughs> yeah. Where, excuse me, where you have God himself destroying Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner because of their sodomy. Right. Okay? Not because of their inhospitality. And not because of their gross inhospitality <laughs> either. And to say it's a gross inhospitality is, an under, is the understatement of the century. Yeah. It's, it's basically uh, liberals and uh, wicked individuals who are, who are seeking to kind of minimize, right? They're, they're trying to curtail the severity of that abomination by saying, that, oh, mm -hmm. it's just gross inhospitality. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> it's just gross inhospitality. It's definitely gross. It's gross and it is inhospitable, but right. I think a little bit more than that. Why there. don't we call it what the yeah. Bible calls it, which is filthy, perverse, yeah. reprobate. Yep. But... I'm getting ahead of myself here. So he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because it was detestable. It was filthy. And what's interesting is that in Judges 19, you have that same instance, that same scenario reoccurring, but he did not destroy. He didn't rain down fire and brimstone upon uh, the inhabitants of Gibeah, mm -hmm. which were a part of Benjamin. He expected his, the nation that he placed to take care of it. Right, right. Right? And so, yeah, he could have miraculously did it and essentially rained down fire and brimstone and just destroyed the children of Benjamin or that particular group there of Gibeah, the sons of Belial. But he chose not to because of the fact that it's just like, hey, I've already put systems in place 
People have been instituted and deputized to carry out the punishment for this crime against nature. You guys handle it. Yeah. Right? And so, um, you know, it just goes to show you that the laws have always existed. God's moral law has always existed. It's not like at Mount Sinai, God's like, you know what? I'm really bothered by transvestites. We really got to do something about this. <laughs> it's not like, you know, murder, man, it's just been going on for so yeah. long and... You know, I we really gotta do something right. about this. I'm tired of people stealing from everyone, so yeah, I need really, to I need to say something. I need now. to say something about this. You know, it doesn't work that way. Right. And you know, here's here's another thing is like, well, you know, th- that's a stretch or whatever. You know, that's a stretch. He he didn't institute anybody from Genesis to like uh carry out punishments against against wicked doers. Well, obviously God is the ultimate judge. And, you know, Genesis 19 is actually not the only time that he intervened to destroy an entire population to eradicate filth from this world. He actually drowned the entire world. Yeah. Right? In Genesis chapter 6. Mm-hmm. Because of their violence and their wicked imaginations, and the world had become so wicked and abominable that he basically just flushed everyone down the toilet all the way down to hell. Yeah. And saved only eight people alive. And repopulated the entire world through those eight eight individuals, right? And so, you know, this goes to show you that God's law was still prevalent there. And he felt the same way. He's yeah. never changed. Because those people, they, they can't, they're without excuse still. Those people who were flooded, you know, they, yeah. they knew what they were doing was wrong as well. Right. And they wanted to do wickedness. It's not like, oh, I didn't know that what I was doing was wrong. Nobody told me because it's written in their hearts. Mm-hmm. So that's why God judged these people and flooded the entire world. Yeah, because of the fact that, you know, obviously if someone doesn't know better, um, God's not necessarily going to hold them accountable to a certain extent, right? Right. Like uh, there's certain individuals in this world who are ignorant regarding certain things. However, the Bible says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Mm-hmm. So he was preaching something. Yeah. Right. And he was preaching the laws of God, even though that law, the Mosaic law had not yet been instituted. Right. It's called the law of Moses folks, but it's actually the law of God. Yeah. <laughs> the reason they call it the law of Moses, because Moses was used to essentially um, transmit that to God's people. Mm-hmm. But this is God's law. So Noah's preaching that. And he's probably talking about the violence. Probably talking about the filth of, of that world during that time. And so, you know, they had a chance to to get those things right. And you know what? There might have been certain people who were who were in that flood that got saved. Right. That, uh, you know, they believed on the Lord. Yeah, they called upon the name of the Lord. And... But they still suffered the consequences of their actions. Mm-hmm which is exactly what the capital laws are all about. It's yep. not about salvation. Right. It's right. about instituting punishments for temporal crimes, right? Temporal meaning crimes of this world. Mm-hmm. Okay. So even though in Israel, for example, when it was still, when it was a functioning government, a functioning nation with magistrates and leaders, you know, you might've had saved people who committed certain crimes that were worthy of death. Yep. doesn't mean they weren't saved. It just means, Hey, you're not above the law. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, there's the laws of God, ceremonial, dietary, things of that nature that were were uh, instituted with the intention to foreshadow certain New Testament principles and Christ, yeah. foreshadowing Jesus Christ. So they, 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 they serve a purpose, a temporary purpose 
to foreshadow the the first coming of Christ. Yeah. And his his sacrifice that he will make for the world. But then there's other laws that just God institutes in order to have a functioning society. Right. Right. right? It's like in order for a society to function properly, to be a righteous nation, to make sure that, you know, uh, no one is being violated, that justice is being carried out, things are being done appropriately, that wickedness is not permeating throughout society, Mm -hmm. that abominations are not permeating throughout society, unfettered. Right. Even... Those who would teach false doctrine are not being allowed to permeate society unfettered. Yeah, there are certain laws instituted to make sure that didn't happen, which is all great, and that's why us as Christians we need to love, you know, the the whole law of God, you know, and not and not just cherry pick what we like and don't like, but we need to love it all, absolutely, because you know the the statutes of the Lord are are perfect, you know. You know those played those played a role in the life of the nation of Israel. And the role was that they were to foreshadow Jesus Christ. They were they were foreshadowing a lot of things. I mean, um, you think of the the Levitical law uh, of the priesthood. You think mm-hmm. of uh, Leviticus chapter fourteen when talking about what the leper was supposed to do in order to be cleansed of his leprosy. Right. And and, and all of the details that goes into cleansing him and the killing yeah. of the two birds. And then you have the cedar wood. You have the scarlet. You have the hyssop. And you're you're pouring you're sprinkling blood or you're pouring blood over the living bird and then you sprinkle that seven times upon the leper and then they're cleansed and they shave everything off. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are pretty detailed laws. Yeah. They're not moral laws per se. They're ceremonial laws and that God wanted the children of Israel to observe because mm-hmm. he wanted to get that he wanted to get this truth ingrained in them yeah. that Jesus Christ was gonna do that one day for them spiritually yeah even like the sacrifices as well like the animal you had to offer up it had to be without spot and blemish yep uh you know it'd be a burnt sacrifice mm-hmm. you know to, to depict jesus uh, going to hell for hell. three days and three nights yeah. and so a lot of that is foreshadowing jesus christ right which is understandable as to why it was repealed in the new testament new testament referring to jesus christ's death on the cross mm-hmm. because colossians chapter 2 let me read it to you it says in verse 14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. In other words, he became the culmination of those ordinances of the Old Testament. Like that's what it pointed to was Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And it says, let no man therefore judge you, in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days. Yeah. Why? He's like, don't let him. And he's talking to the, the Colossians here, which is a Gentile, in a sense, quote unquote, a, a Gentile church. Right. They're not of Israel. So he's They're basically Greek saying, speakers. you know, don't, don't let these people Judaize you. Don't let them Judaize you. Don't let people try to, you know, make you feel bad or make you feel guilty mm-hmm. that you're not keeping these things. Don't let no mm-hmm. one judge you and say, because, oh, hey, what are you doing eating shrimp? Yeah. Yeah, the the one part in the Bible where it really does talk about not judging people for anything is about the ceremonial laws. The yeah. you know what you eat. Hey, what you're not supposed yeah. to judge people on is if someone's not keeping those ceremonial laws, the right. dietary things, the right. keeping of the Sabbath. It says the Sabbath days. Yeah, which well, are a shadow of things to come, but the body is Christ. Yeah, but we are supposed to judge the moral laws. We are supposed to judge 
you know, all the other statues of the Bible, but we're not to judge people now, you know, if they don't respect an unholy day yeah. or they don't want to eat a certain thing or they do want to eat a certain If food. they don't want to keep the Feast of the Tabernacles. Exactly. They don't want to eat uh, swine and pig, which... I don't know why you wouldn't. I don't but, know why you wouldn't. But hey, if that's, yeah. your, if that's your thing, you know what I mean? If you don't want to eat scallops and, and, and oysters mm-hmm. and shrimp and um, things of that nature, if you don't want to do that, okay... You know, we can't judge people, right? Right. And and if someone says, hey, I don't want to eat those things, or if they if they want to observe that and say, hey, you know, I think it's okay to eat pig. Mm-hmm. I think it's okay to eat oysters. I think it's okay to eat those things. Judaizers aren't supposed to judge people and say, well, no, you're supposed to. Right. Because of the fact that anybody who tells you that you're supposed to do those things are stating that under the premise that we're still under that Old Testament ceremonial law, mm-hmm. but we're not. Exactly. And then he says that there are shadow things to come, but the bodies of Christ, referring to the fact that even the Sabbath pictures Jesus Christ. Yeah. And why? Because of the fact that the Sabbath was, to, was supposed to be a day of rest for God's people. Yeah. And Jesus is our rest. Jesus is our rest. And in fact, let me read to you from Hebrews uh, chapter 4. I don't want to misquote it here. Where's the book of Hebrews? Just kidding. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 10 says, For he that has entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. So believing on Jesus Christ is depicted as entering into his rest, ceasing from our own works, because the Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Amen. But the man who decides to do works for salvation will suffer the consequences of that, which is eternal damnation, mm-hmm. just as the individual in the nation of Israel who chose to work on the Sabbath day, they were put to death. They were put to death for that. Yeah. Because they're essentially marring the symbolic yeah. nature of keeping the Sabbath. Yeah. And it was a picture because they died physically for not keeping the Sabbath, but it's to picture someone who doesn't enter into Jesus's rest, uh, you know, AKA getting saved, dying spiritually, they die spiritually in hell. They get the second death. They get the second death. And so, um, so we're not undermining these dietary laws. We're not undermining them. We, they, they have their place. They have yeah. their, and look, and their picture is beautiful of what they it's represent. Very beautiful. And so I mean, obviously we love all, and, of, all of those, you know, ceremonial laws. Yeah. Because of what they picture. Because and of the what Bible they says represent. in Hebrews chapter 9, in verse number, let's see here, verse number 8, it says, The Holy Ghost is signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest. Now, what he just finished talking about from verses 1 through uh, 7 is he talks about all of the accoutrements of the tabernacle, the actual mm-hmm. physical things and, you know, the, 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 the Ark of the Covenant and everything that it had. But yet he says that the Holy Ghost was signifying, signifying is like symbolizing, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest. So that physical tabernacle that Moses, that Aaron, that uh, Aaron's sons and the children of Israel worshipped at, that wasn't the actual one. Mm-hmm. It was made after a the actual tabernacle, which is in heaven. It's, it symbolically represents that, right? Right. And he says, while as yet the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. 
which stood only in meats, drinks, and diverse washings, and cardinal ordinances, kind of like the same list that we saw in Colossians chapter 2, right. imposed on them, in other words, they were obligated to observe the meats, drinks, diverse washings, and cardinal ordinances. They were obligated to observe those to a T mm-hmm. until the time of Reformation. Yeah. Which wasn't so, Martin Luther's Reformation. Which is not Martin Luther's Reformation. Now, why did, what does that tell us? It tells us that there's a specific time period which these laws were supposed to be instituted for. Right. It says until the time of Reformation. Reformation means when you make something better. Yeah. And so based upon the context of the entire book of Hebrews, it's referring to the New, New Testament. Testament, which the Bible refers to as a better covenant. Yeah. A better testament established upon better promises with a better mediator. Now, why is it better? Because you and I don't have to observe all those, you know, ordinances and yeah, sacrifices. Yeah, we don't have to sacrifice all these animals anymore. We don't have to abstain from, you know, poor. I mean, that, that'd be rough. Oh, man. I can't even imagine. Can you imagine that? Oysters. Do you like oysters? I do like oysters, yeah. Like fresh oysters? Yeah, yeah. I actually had lemon? them. I tried them for, yeah, exactly. Little yeah. little hot sauce? I do have the hot sauce, like the Cajun sauce. And then you go... <laughs> Kinda, you just kind of—it it feels like you're you're eating the sea. It tastes great. I love it. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I'm hungry now. I'm just kidding. But you know, we don't have to observe those things. Obviously, we're held to a higher standard in the New Testament, right? Because we have the entire canonized Bible. We know more. Mm-hmm. However, we're not accountable for those ceremonial laws and carnal ordinances and holy days, Sabbath days, such as the Sabbath, right? And nowhere in the New Testament do you see any of the disciples or Jesus Christ after the ascension, after the resurrection keeping the Sabbath. Right. You do see them observing those things prior to his crucifixion on the cross, mm-hmm. as noted in Matthew chapter 8, that after he cleanses the leper, he tells the leper to go to the priest to go offer a gift according to the law of Moses because they're still under Old Testament law. But after the resurrection, that stuff was done away with. And people want to say, all oh, the disciples, are, you know, they, they observe the Sabbath. Only because in the book of Acts, it uses the Sabbath as, an, as a marker of time, right? Of when they were there. They went there on the Sabbath. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, they're observing the Sabbath. Wrong. Because you weren't supposed to go anywhere during the Sabbath. Right. First and foremost, it's used as an indicator of when someone was at a certain location, things of that nature. However, no one observed those things thereafter because those things are done away with. Yeah. Now, if someone did observe those things, you know, it was out of ignorance. Right, right. And there were instances where, you know, um, certain people were imposing certain laws that were not biblical to impose upon people. And the Apostle Paul even rebuked Peter for uh, allowing himself to be Judaized. Yeah. Right? He talks about that in Galatians chapter 2. So the time of Reformation is referring to Jesus Christ because he's being crucified on the cross, basically what Colossians 2 talks about, because he's bringing in that better testament, and we're no longer under that Old Testament law of ceremonies and dietary laws, thank God, uh, laws of cleansing, carnal ordinances, things of that nature. We're no longer under that. Right. But But it doesn't mean the moral law is is done away with. Exactly. And we need to make that distinction that when the Bible says we're no longer under the law, mm-hmm. it's not referring to that moral law. Yeah. It said meats, drinks, and, and diverse washings and carnal ordinances. It didn't talk about, you know, 
you know bestiality yeah exactly you know, sodomy sodomy murder right and adultery imposed upon them until the time of reformation yeah. it's not like jesus christ died on the cross so you can cross dress exactly <laughs> he didn't die on the cross so you can go murder freely mm-hmm. and and be a pervert or whatever and be a sodomite it's not there right okay and so to to, to claim that that's the case is really foolish uh, and people get confused about this. Yeah. They get confused about it a lot. And I think it's only because the law of God, that phrase, kind of encapsulates everything, referring to that which is found in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you need to do a little more Bible study and just read the Word of God a little more to see that there is a distinction here. Yeah. Okay? And so um, that is the law of God. Yeah. Now... The reason that this is important to talk about is because of the fact that we're in the month of June. And in the month of June, unfortunately, our society celebrates pride. Mm -hmm. And to add insult to injury, it's not just any pride. It's sodomite pride. Where perversion and pedophilia and being a transvestite is literally celebrated by different individuals and companies. As though it's a good thing. And you know, I'm disgusted by it. Yeah, me too. I'm disgusted by it. My generation is is disgusted with it. And it's so filthy and perverse. And it molests the eyes of all people who have to look at that crap. And that's yeah. what it is. It's crap. Yep. Okay. And you know, a lot of people get offended at, at that. But the reality is this is because of the fact that if Christians get offended by what the Bible teaches, is because they're not reading the Bible. Right. And I notice the less people read the Bible... The, the more, first of all, desensitized they become to the world, but the more sensitive they become to the content of the Bible. Yeah, which is the wrong way to go. Wrong way to go. And sensitive as in like, ooh, it like hurts them. Yeah. They don't you like know? to hear certain laws in the Old Testament. It, it, it freaks them out. But yet they're, fine, they're completely fine with seeing all this filth and perversion going on on their TV and in the media. But... We have to learn that the moral law is still instituted and God's moral law, even back in the Old Testament, is still relevant today. And it's not been done away with in Christ or anything. Yeah, It's very much relevant today and we need to look back at the Old Testament, look back at you know the law of God, the law of Moses, and, and just all of the commandments found in the Old Testament and, you know be able to you know preach the, the word of god and just be able to talk to people about what god really says about certain topics and issues because even the new testament doesn't cover every single you know thing like you know the new testament doesn't cover about looking at your aunt naked that's only in the old testament is that you know is that no longer relevant now just because the new testament doesn't mention it yeah you know but the old testament, the new has testament a lot of, doesn't talk about um you know being a pervert with an animal exactly the New Testament doesn't talk about cross-dressing. Does that mean it's okay now just exactly. because the New Testament doesn't mention it? God invested so much time in the Old Testament talking about these things. Yeah. He doesn't need to reiterate it in the New Testament. Exactly. Some things are just like, they should be obvious. Yeah, and unfortunately, a lot of Christians, they just, you know, the Old Testament is way bigger than the New Testament, and they just basically rip out that whole Old Testament out of their yeah, Bible. And, and make no mistake about it, we're New Testament Christians, but we love the Old Testament. Yeah, exactly. Because all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness. Yeah. So you need the Old Testament in order to be instructed in the ways of righteousness right. to know what God says. Now, here's the thing, is that when we look at the laws of God, 
dealing with, for example, sodomy, murder, adultery, divorce, things of that nature, God wants us to know about it. What was that? That you you sending text messages out there, man? What in the world? He's like, I don't. He's know, like, this I don't is, agree with this. This is so boring. I can't. <laughs> what is this? What's for dinner? <laughs> God wants us to know about it. He wants us to study it. And people are like, well, "What's the point? You know, you know, the 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 government will never do that." Yeah, it's true. The government will never adhere to the laws of God a hundred percent. Right. Obviously, there's some laws that would kind of line up with the Bible a little bit. You know, murder is still seen as something that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, theft and things of that nature. Obviously, it's not held to the exact standard of the Bible. And it's not punished exactly the it's same way. It's not punished exactly the same way. However, it's important to know these things, to preach about them, not because we think that the government is actually going to institute biblical repercussions for breaking God's laws, but because we need to make sure we communicate to the masses what God's standard is. Yep. What God clearly says, because, you know, even Christians don't necessarily know what God actually feels about certain topics. Leviticus 20.13 says, If a man also lie with mankind as he lieth with the woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. It's basically putting the death penalty on sodomites. What? Yeah. Now, we preach that, and we tell people, this is what the government should be doing. Mm-hmm. And people are like, you're inciting violence. When has the government ever even done that within even the last five years, ten years? Mm-hmm. Never. Right? And we don't do it because the gov- we think the government's going to do it because probably the government's filled with a bunch of sodomites themselves. Yeah. We preach it because we're trying to communicate to the masses, this is what God thinks of your cousin <laughs> who's a sodomite. Yep. You know? We do it so that we can pull back the veil from the eyes of the population to say they're not your friends. These people are criminals in the eyes of God. Yeah. They're going against nature. They're actually they're held to the same standard as a murderer would be. Yeah. And if you don't think that, it's because you become desensitized and you don't read the Bible. Right. Letting them know what God feels about these issues. We need to emphasize the laws of God Mm -hmm. to keep on the forefront of the minds of the population what God's standard is. Because a lot of a lot of people will think, well, all sin is equal. But that's not when you read the Old Testament, when you read the New Testament, you never see Now all sin, no matter what you do, will lead you to hell. Yeah, exactly. Or remember we're talking about the civil laws. Right. The capital laws. Yeah, this is a this is aside from salvation. This is aside from salvation. We're talking about things that should be instituted because it's important that we preach against sin. Exactly. And you may see, you may look at sodomy and say, yeah, it's sinful. However, when you bring the laws of God and see what God's standard it is, we see that according to Romans 7, because of the law, sin becomes what? Exceeding Exceeding sinful. sinful. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh man, this is not just bad. This is like really bad. Yeah. Yeah. Being an abomination is not the same as, you know, Stealing your neighbor's ox. It's not. It's not not the same thing. It doesn't get the same punishment. It doesn't. Because stealing your... your, Even committing fornication and committing adultery, they're still not the same. Exactly. Yeah. Because adultery was punishable by death. Right. And fornication Fornication was not. Fornication was not. So it's important that we communicate these things so, so that people know how severe these actions are, how severe these abominations are, Mm -hmm. the bestiality is, okay? 
how sod, how disgusting sodomy is according to the Bible. And there's enough in the Old Testament to kind of show that. It's like, oh, it doesn't say it in the New Testament. Well, actually, it does. Yeah. So stop using that card because the card doesn't even exist. It's like you have a deck of cards, and there's that one card that is meant to be thrown away. It's like it comes with the pack, right? But it's just like, I don't know, it gives like instructions or something. Yeah. That needs to be tossed out because it doesn't work. Well, this whole, you know, putting sodomized to death and death penalty is not found in the New Testament. It's wrong. It's not found as often as it's found in the Old Testament because God wrote the Old Testament and he put it enough times in the Bible. You should already know it by now. Yeah. God doesn't have to keep repeating over and over the same Jesus thing for you to Christ get Christ The same yesterday, Felt today. the same way about the death penalty in his day mm-hmm. as he did in the Old Testament because he talks about if, if, if someone curses their father or mother, let them die the death. Yeah, Jesus said that. Jesus said that. Quote in the Old Testament. So clearly it's not like Jesus is now against the death penalty all of a sudden just because we're in the new covenant. Jesus is very much for the death penalty. Whosoever shall offend one of these little ones, which believe in me, are better than a millstone, were tied about his neck, and he would drown in the depths of the sea. That's called the death penalty. Also red Romans letters. chapter 1. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're the red letters. Romans chapter 1. When talking about reprobates, also known as sodomites, yeah. as the current population would call the gay people, it says that they're worthy of death. Yep. And it's just like, well, we shouldn't focus on those Old Testament laws. Well, the New Testament quotes it two times in Jude 1, 7 and in Second Peter chapter 2, verses 6 and 7 yep. as an example to them who should afterwards live ungodly. Yeah. So in other words, it's like, well, it doesn't talk about it in the New Testament. Well, he says in Second Peter chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, he says, reference Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah in the Old and Testament. And that story and see what I felt about and it back then. that's what I feel about it. Exactly. So, all right. So let's go ahead and react to this um, false prophet here. So um, pull it up and then hit pause because I'm going to give a a couple of disclaimers here. All right. So let me explain some things. So I made a video about Sodom and Gomorrah on Instagram Mm -hmm. and, you know, in lieu of Pride Month. And it's, it's a pretty basic video. I mean, it's pretty like... Standard. Standard. It's not like... It's nothing crazy. Yeah. It shouldn't be any... I mean, honestly, even the craziest thing shouldn't even be that crazy. Right. Right? Because I'm reaching a Christian audience. And I just basically give an overview of Sodom and Gomorrah, how God destroyed it, and I try to fit in as much as I possibly can from Leviticus 20.13 to Judges 19, even to 1 Kings chapter 15 and verse 14, I believe it is. And then even in the New Testament, just talk about how God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, the most unchristian person knows that. Yeah. It, <laughs> it's like, it's there's no dispute about this. <laughs> like, what's what, what's up with Sodom and Gomorrah? It's like, God destroyed it because of homos. homos. Yeah. You know, it's just like, it's not very hard. But you always got to leave it to these um, wolves in sheep's clothing, these people who... These um, internet weirdos. These internet weirdos. And this guy, I don't really know what his name is, McLeland or something like that. And um, he made a video response to it because, I don't know, it offended him or something. I wonder and, why. Yeah, exactly. Well, he, here's the thing, though. He, he uses pronouns in his bio. When I first saw that, I'm like, flag. oh, yeah. okay, that's why. You know, I don't care if it's he, him, or whatever it is. It's just yeah. like... The fact that you use pronouns in your bio just completely discredits you as a Bible teacher. Yes, exactly. it does. Yep. Okay. And the fact that he's defending sodomites, strike reprobates, two. strike two, and some of the stuff that he says is just really weird. So here's a couple clips, and we're going to go ahead and talk about it. So go ahead and pull it up, Brother Ulysses. 
All right, let's hear it. So this is him reacting to it. So this is my video right here, and then he reacts, uh, or him reacting. Supposed to intervene to rain down fire and brimstone upon Sodom and Gomorrah mm. and the cities about them in like manner yeah. in order to eradicate the population to uh. prevent sodomy from spreading. So there is not a single syllable of the Bible that anywhere represents the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah as God's attempt to stop the spread of sodomy which is nowhere identified as a proximate cause of its destruction. The most explicit identification of the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah is identified in Ezekiel 16.49, where the prophet says that the sin of Sodom was pride and excess of bread, prosperous ease, yet they did not strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. And that is summarized as being haughty and doing abominations before me. Okay, so let's go ahead and destroy that real quick. He sounds—he sounds a little fruity. I just got to. Uh, yeah, I mean, so you kind of—you kind of see why he would get mad. <laughs> so he starts off by saying, "There's not a single syllable in the Bible that says that it was destroyed for sodomy." Well, I got news for him. There's 58 syllables in Jude one seven, because <laughs> it says, "Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh." Uh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Now, if I'm not mistaken, that's about 58 syllables, okay? <laughs> not including, I think it's like 62 or 63 syllables in Second Peter chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Okay? Yep. So it's clearly stated there that God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because they were giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, Okay. But and I'm going to address Jude one seven a little bit because he he says something really weird about Jude one seven. So let's just get that out of the way. The Bible does talk about the fact that he was destroyed; that it was destroyed because of sodomy. Yeah, okay. but it's just a ridiculous claim because it, it's called Sodom. What, what do you think we got the word sodomy from? The law here in the United States exactly uses that term sodomy to describe crimes against nature. Yeah, referring to homosexual acts bestiality Pet, yeah, and pedophilia yeah where do you think that they get it you think they just pulled it out of a out of a hat somewhere yeah like we had this word for for all these time for all these years centuries ages we've been using sodomy to describe homosexuals and all of a sudden now what do you think it derives from can no no joke it's the city of sodom exactly where, where do you think else we got so it then from? he quotes ezekiel 16 which this is a common tactic of most sodomites yep when they want to refute uh, what we believe. Yeah, I call this the, a sodomite answer. This they is a very much a sodomite answer. Mm -hmm. They'll use verses 49, not necessarily 50, but they'll stick to 49. Because yeah. it says, Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom, pride. Okay. Well, you know, if you want to use that verse, then <laughs> fits pretty well it fits today. pretty well with what you guys are doing. Yep. Fullness of bread and abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters, neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. So the quote then they'll say, well, you know, that was actually the sin there. It was pride and, you know. Inhospitality. Inhospitality. They're not kind to the poor and needy. And, you know, fullness of bread. They're idle. They're being lazy. Well, you know, I could list a bunch of other things the sodomites are guilty of, according to Romans chapter 1. <laughs> yeah. In fact, here's the thing. Is the Bible says they're filled with all unrighteousness. Yeah. Murder. You know, and maliciousness, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud boasters, inventors of evil things. To just name a few. <laughs> yeah. I think this is just giving a little bit more description of what they're like. Anyways. Yeah, it's basically saying it's giving you the platform by which they, they got into this situation. Yeah. Is by their pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness. And verse 50 says, and they were haughty 
which is another way of saying prideful. prideful. And oh, oh, it committed abomination before me. What do you think that was? So, you know, <laughs> he kind of just breezes over that little point there. Mm -hmm. The abomination is obviously not necessarily referring to the pride because it says they committed abomination before me, mm -hmm. referring to sodomy because the Bible refers to sodomy as being abominable, right. according to Leviticus 20.13. Now, here's the thing, folks, is that you're like, well, no, you know, it's because they were grossly inhospitable. But prior to the angels coming to Sodom, in Genesis chapter 13, it says that the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked before the Lord. Yeah, before the angels Before the angels up. came. And then when they came in Genesis 18, it says that God heard the cries mm -hmm. of Sodom. Now, you know, it's not they're not crying because, you know, they didn't give them lemonade <laughs> when they first came or something like that. Yeah. They're not crying because it's just like, oh, you know, they, they didn't wash my feet mm -hmm. when I came to the city. They're just so inhospitable. It just made me cry. You know what's making them cry is rape. Yeah. Perversion. Perversion. Wickedness. People who are being molested and violated. Yep. So to use this verse and say, oh, they weren't destroyed for sodomy. Uh, wrong. They were destroyed for sodomy. Yep. They were destroyed for wickedness. They're destroyed for violating others. And we can clearly see that. And here's, oh, here's another point, okay, that I want to bring up is the fact that, or actually, let, let me hold on to that because we have a couple more clips. So, sorry, uh, McLean, strike one. You're out, on, you're out on that one. Let's let's look at the next one. I know that guy. What do we do? The perversion had aggregated so violently that the Bible says that the men of Sodom, both young and old, sought to rape two angels. So here this creator actually correctly identifies the problem with the behavior of Genesis 19. And that problem is the fact that they're trying to sexually assault male angels. And that's a problem for three main reasons. The first has to do with the fact that sexual assault is a gross display of inhospitality. Yeah, you think? And Genesis 18 and Genesis 19 are painting a contrast mm. between the righteousness mm -hmm. and the hospitality of the rural nomadic Abraham mm -hmm. over and against the wickedness and the inhospitality of the urban city-dwelling men to paint of the contrast. Now, sexual assault is always about power. Mm. And when you sexually assault someone, you are taking away their power. And in addition to being a gross display of inhospitality, it is escalated because these two angels are represented as male angels. And so men sit at the top of the social hierarchy of domination oh. and penetration. And so to take away the power of someone at the top of that hierarchy is a more severe violation of their social roles. And even today, there is an escalated dimension of shame and disgrace associated with men being victims of sexual assault because they're not supposed to be victimized in that way because they're supposed to be more powerful. And the fact that they are angels is the third problem because <laughs> they actually sit a step higher than humans on that social hierarchy of domination and penetration. That was I mean, disturbing. That was that's horse crap. Yeah. So he's gas he's trying to gaslight his audience by stating that well it's not sodomy, you know, the way people look at it today. It's because they were being grossly inhospitable. They're trying to, he's basically saying they're trying to rape them. Yeah. Right?
It's just ridiculous. He's saying like, you know, they wanted to rape him, which was really inhospitable. I'm like, uh, and he says, listen, listen to what he says. He says, when you sexually assault someone, what do you mean when yes. you sexually assault? What the hell is that supposed yeah, to mean? Speak, speak for yourself, bro. What when the you sexually assault someone, when is, why are you speaking of it as though it's like a common thing that just people do? Yeah, yeah. He's like, when you do that, you're basically robbing them of their manhood is what he's saying. Yeah. Right? And it's just like when you sexually assault someone, you know, men are supposed to be at the hierarchy. What he's trying to do here is he's trying to separate the actions of the men of Sodom, okay, who are trying to rape these angels who they thought were just men. Right. And they're trying to separate it from the act of just sodomy, period, which is rape or man with man, mm-hmm. you know, doing that which is unseemly. Because he's like, well, these people, you know, they're not trying to welcome that. They don't want that. So they're being sexually assaulted. So basically two gay dudes doing it, you know, it's consensual. There's nothing wrong with that. There is a problem in this area because men is, you know, the social hierarchy. And so they're supposed to be the one penetrating. And so when you when you grossly are grossly inhospitable to them, you violate them. You're just kind of robbing them of that man. And there's, there's disgrace and shame associated with that. And here's what's stupid about the whole thing. Nowhere in the Genesis 19 account does it des- describe anything of that nature. Yeah. There was a whole lot of words that he said that weren't found in Genesis Nothing 19. Nothing of that was found in Genesis 19. I mean, the men of Sodom would just said, bring the men out that we may know them. Exactly. Yeah. Now, Nothing again. Nothing about social hierarchy. and Exactly. You know, it's not like, well, how, how can you do this to me? I'm an angel. I'm, I'm, I'm like bigger than you. <laughs> like, I'm supposed to be doing this to you. <laughs> it's like, what is that? Yeah. That's, yeah. So here's the thing. Because, again, he's, he's, try, he's, not doing, he's not saying it, but indirectly. He's essentially implying that what the men of Sodom were trying to do is a lot different from what the Sodomites of today are doing because they're consensual. They're just, that's what they do. And you'll see later on in the video, he's like, that's like a natural thing. Because he claims that sodomy is just natural for people to do. So he's trying to create this divide and say, you know, oh, yeah, that's really bad. It's a sexual assault. They're trying to rape them. But God didn't destroy them for, for like, being gay like people are today. He's destroying them because they're sexually assaulting these people. They're trying to sexually assault them. It's gross unhospitality. But here's the thing, folks, is the Bible, first of all, says in Jude 1-7, right, they destroyed them for giving themselves over to fornication. And going after strange flesh. But it also says in 2 Peter 2 that he delivered just Lot vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. Now you could easily look at that and say, well, he's referring to what he what they're about to do to the angels. However, the Bible says, for that righteous man dwelling among them vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Mm-hmm. Referring to the fact that they're being gay. Yeah. They're committing sodomy. Because the unlawful deed is not referring, that verse is not referring to what they wanted to do. It's not referering to that scene in Genesis 19. Mm -hmm. It's referring to prior to that when Lot is just dwelling among them. Yeah, God God already said he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah before the angels even went there. Before the angels even went there. 
So it's ridiculous to think that it's this event which caused God to destroy. That's Sodom what it was. It's because they're not offering. They were in his they're not offering lemonade and cookies. Yeah. They're not washing the feet. They're not. Hey, you want to watch Netflix or something like that? Mm-hmm. You want to stay over my house? No. It's 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 because they they just the social hierarchy of men. Yeah. You know I know it's I mean? like the, the patriarchy is. It kind of like, sounds what are you like talking some. About? Yeah, it sounds like some liberal kind of talking point he's really. basically trying to make a distinction between rape and consensual sodomy that's what yeah. he's doing where the bible makes no such distinction it labels them as being one and the same yep. an abomination a crime against nature and he says it's not a crime against and, nature. and funny enough the 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 laws in our that that are in our nation and other nations when talks about the act of sodomy like you said it it's grouping it all together you know homosexuality pedophilia bestiality it groups them all together. It's not just like, oh, sodomy is just consensual homosexuality like this guy wants to claim. Yeah. No, it's all-encompassing of just this perversion and just this And stop calling act. it gross in hospitality. It's referred to as filthy. It's referred to as reprobate. It's yeah. referred to as being an unlawful deed, filthy conversation. Yeah. It's referred to going after strange flesh. That's what it talks about. Yeah, wanting to gang rape angels isn't what you'd call inhospitable. That kind of sounds a little weird that sounds you want per- It's perverse is what yeah. it is. All right, keep, let's go. Let's look at the third one here. Later, when the children of Israel went into the promised land and had a functioning government, God instituted strict laws against sodomy via Leviticus 20.13 in order to prevent the events from Genesis 19 from reoccurring. So the legislation of Leviticus 18 and 20 has absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with trying to prevent the events of Genesis 19 from reoccurring. Both chapters are quite explicit that the goal is to try to prevent the land from kicking the people of Israel out again. So these are post-exilic authorities who have rationalized the exile as the land kicking the people of Israel out because they sinned too much and polluted the land too much and the land couldn't take it anymore, so they were kicked out. So now they're coming up with rules and regulations that will hopefully govern the behavior of the house of Israel and prevent them from achieving that critical mass of <laughs> contamination in the land. The idea was that there were these socially conventionalized boundaries around behavior, and to cross those boundaries generated a kind of metaphysical contamination or pollutant spilled out heck? onto the land. AIDS, herpes. And that reached a critical mass, then the land couldn't Death. bear it anymore, and the land kicked the people out. That's pretty explicit within those chapters. Additionally, uh, Leviticus 18 and 20 are two different phases of the development of this legislation. In Leviticus 18, the main problem is whoever is taking the insertive role in an act of male same-sex intercourse, and that was absolutely being condemned. This was not about pedophilia. This was not about cultic prostitution. This was a condemnation of a man taking the insertive role in an act of same-sex intercourse, which was considered to victimize whoever took the receptive role. Now, in Leviticus 20, you have a later group of people who are elaborating on the legislation of Leviticus 18, Mm. and rather than just render the offender culpable, they are rendering both parties engaged in inappropriate sexual activity culpable, even though the receptive partner, whether male or female, is not an active agent in this activity. They are the victim, but Leviticus 20 is escalating the severity and the culpability and saying both parties are culpable. Both parties bear the guilt of that contamination, that pollution on the land, and so both parties have to be gotten rid of. 
Uh, additionally, none of these laws were actually operative or enforced anywhere <laughs> near this time period. It wasn't until the Hellenistic period that the legislation of Deuteronomy, of Leviticus, of Exodus uh, was widely known about and widely enforced. So this creator is wildly misrepresenting uh, both the history of this legislation as well as its purpose. Bro, you're culpable. Whoa, what the You're culpable was... of abominable teaching, false <laughs> doctrine, and being a little queer little sissy. All right, let's talk about this. So let, let me break that down a little bit. Let me see if I can remember all the nonsense that he was spewing out of his mouth. So he's saying it's like, well, these it was instituted so that the land wouldn't kick them out. It's like, I am the land. <laughs> you dwell in my presence. Quit being a f- and then the land just like removes them or whatever like there's this earthquake or something and what he's referring to is the fact that the bible talks about that the land will spew them out Mm -hmm. or the land vomiteth out her inhabitants right which is obviously terminology that the bible's using to essentially describe the severity of how filthy these acts are it's not just sodomy obviously bestiality incest you know, things of that nature that went unfettered within the Gentile nations around them, which is why the children, God said, I'm going to bless Israel and give them this land, not because they're just more righteous, but because of the wickedness of the people of this land. We yeah. need to remove these people out of this land. The land is not some sentient being or something that is just like, hey, here's your eviction notice. <laughs> I told you you're supposed to not commit sodomy and all these things. You know, you're contaminating the land or whatever. It's referring to the fact that when people commit these acts, abominable acts, the land becomes defiled with disease. It becomes defiled with all types of perversion. There is unfettered uh, uh, sodomy taking place and, and victimization and rape and all these things. And so when that happens... The land, not the literal physical land itself, but the people dwelling in the land <laughs> yeah. are the ones who become the victims of this. So he's saying, no, these laws were not instituted for that. They're, in, they're, not, they're not instituted so that, you know, the Genesis 19 event doesn't reoccur. It's because the land is going to kick them out, you know, <laughs> if they don't, if they continue in these things. You idiot. Yeah. I mean, how stupid is that? All okay. of this stuff was stupid, man. I mean, he's saying that, well, Leviticus 2013, you know, even though one was a victim, they both are, culp- you know, culpable. He likes Nowhere does it say that. No, it doesn't say that. No, it says if both man, have committed an abomination. If a man also lie with mankind as he does with, as he lies with the woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. It's referring to what he is promoting, which is same you know, sodomites doing their filthy, disgusting acts here in 2023 or whatever. Back then, if you're guilty of that, you're going to be put to death for that. Yeah. Because he's saying, oh, whether it's a man or it's a woman or, you know, they're just seeing. And by the way, by him saying that, he's criticizing the Bible. Yeah. Because he's saying. The whole thing was criticizing criticizing the the word of God explicitly there because he's basically saying, even though they were essentially you know, they, they were in agreement or something like that, and they're not being raped or something, they're not being taken advantage of, they would still be culpable for that particular act or something. It's as if he's criticizing God's word, you know yeah. what I mean? As saying like, oh yeah, if a person is raped, and they're not trying to be a part of that that filth and perversion, well, they're still going to be put to death because God just sees it that way. Wrong. 
Yeah. That's wrong. That's which, not true. Which he didn't even say that they'd be put to death, which is what the Bible says. He said they'd just be culpable. kicked out. Yeah, they'd be kicked out of the land or something or like that. Or he just says they both will be culpable. Well, they're, yeah. they're both guilty. He likes to use these big words that... Yeah. Great swelling words of, of vanity, vanity is yeah. what the Bible says that false prophets do. Mm-hmm. And you just got to sift through all that nonsense because he's using all of these big words and terminologies yeah. in order to sound really smart, but in order so to stupid. mitigate the laws of God and confuse people. Yeah. But the guy ain't full of nobody. Okay. He's full of crap. Yeah. So he said that. He said that about Leviticus 18 and 20. He said, you know, apparently that the land has some sort of ability to kick people out of the land or something like that. But there's another thing that he said. What did he say? He said, um, let me think here. Go back to the video, Eli. Go back to that. I'll give you some time to do it. Now he's ready to put the other video. (laughs) (laughs) Trolling right now. (laughs) Because there's another point that I wanted to make that he mentioned that was really stupid. So, uh, yeah, click on that real quick. See here. Cultic prostitution. This was a condemnation of a man taking the inserted role in an act of same sex intercourse, which was considered to victimize whoever took the receptive role. Now, in Leviticus, he's redefining sodomy. A later group of people who are elaborating on the legislation of Leviticus 18, and rather than just render the offender culpable, they are rendering both parties engaged in inappropriate sexual activity culpable even though the receptive partner whether male or female male or is female not an active agent in this activity they are the victim but leviticus 20 is escalating the severity and the culpability and saying both oh they, they're still guilty even though they're being raped they're still guilty yeah, yeah that's victim, just god's standard yeah the victim's wrong still guilty. That, wrong yeah. that's not what the bible says no. on the land and so both parties have to be gotten rid of uh, additionally, none of these laws were actually operative or okay. enforced right there. That's what that's time period. It wasn't until the Hellenistic period that the legislation of Deuteronomy of Leviticus pause. of Exodus. Uh, so he was. claims that these laws were never legislated in Israel during this time. That's so much nonsense. It's because like God's the, just saying this. He's just saying it, but no one adhered to it or something like that. Well, first of all, the Bible doesn't say that. Second of all, there's examples in the Bible where people were put to death for particular crimes. And you know what? Second, third of all, God doesn't need to highlight every instance where a person was put to death for a particular crime. Mm-hmm. Why? Because of the fact that he already said this is what is taking place, this is what you're supposed to do, and therefore instituted, right? Yeah. Now, here's the thing. He says the Hellenistic period or whatever, that's when it was instituted. Wrong because of the fact that obviously later on, we know that the leaders did become lenient, which is why sodomy was allowed to go unfettered, and that's why you have the Judges 19 account taking place. Right. And so to say they were never enacted, they were never enforced, he's trying to minimize the importance of these laws because they're saying they didn't really take it serious back then, so why are we going to take it serious now? That's crazy. That's basically what he's saying. Go ahead and put the the, the next one on, Eli. We'll, we'll keep talking and give you an opportunity. <laughs> hey, you gotta be ready, bro. Be ready always. I mean, he's just—he just—he really is just attacking the Bible on all different fronts. Absolutely. I mean, he's just saying that it's not even sodomy. He's redefining, like you said, he's redefining sodomy. He's even saying like, oh, if you assert the male role, male or female, saying like, are you saying is like it, a marriage is is wrong? Then it or says if like, a man also lie with mankind as, as he lies with, with the, the woman. woman. It not, doesn't say yeah. it's not referring to a woman. 
Because he's saying like, you know, couples, they commit sodomy or whatever. Because that's what Christian, that's what people try to bring up about Christians. Like, well, there's Christians that get involved in sodomy. Leviticus 2013 is talking about a man with a man. Yeah, exactly. Working, doing that, which is burning in their lust one toward another. Mm-hmm. Men, with, men with men working that, which is unseemly. Yeah. Okay. And what really pisses me off is the fact that what he's doing is he's indirectly, obviously for us it's directly, but for his audience, he's indirectly attacking the word of God yeah. by stating, oh yeah, the, even the victim would be considered guilty and worthy of death, even though they weren't an active, uh, they weren't actively participating in this perversion they would still be rendered guilty and be put to death. That's and you know, someone would hear that and be like, "Wow, that's kind of messed up." A rape victim? What, what do they do? Yeah, that, that's literally like what people mock the Bible with, like, "Oh, you know, you're supposed to marry your rapist." or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. Because of idiots like this guy. Yeah. And he's like, "Yeah, they were just no." Leviticus twenty thirteen doesn't say that now, does it? Mm-hmm. It says these men are having they're having sex. They're committing this this wicked, abominable act. They they shall surely be put to death. It doesn't say that they were a victim. No. It doesn't say that it was a woman. It's referring to homos. Exactly. Both have committed an abomination. Both have committed an abomination. Not one was a victim, and the you know, and they didn't commit it, but they would just have to suffer the consequences. Exactly. And again, at the end, he's saying like the punishment in Leviticus twenty thirteen is that they're kicked out of the land, not that they're put to death. It's like. <laughs> I know what you did in my land. You shall be excommunicated from this land for your abomination. It's like, no, dude. So he, he's he's denying what sodomy is. He's he's, he's redefining. Not, he's sodomy. redefining sodomy. sodomy. He's redefining the punishment for sodomy. And he's redefining the yeah the punishment, which is being kicked out of the land. But he's also removing who are the guilty parties. Exactly. He's yeah. placing the victims. So basically, the victims in the Genesis 19 account who were crying out to the Lord, you know, he's basically saying, yeah, they deserve death as well, according yeah. to the Bible or something. But so anybody who gets anybody who gets raped according to the Bible, that's what, the, according, according to, to his this guy, interpretation, they need, to be, put they to need death. to be put to death. So this is why people would say, oh, so like if someone just gets raped, you're saying according to the Bible that they deserve the death penalty too. It's like, no, no. if they're raped, they don't. But, you know, Leviticus 22, 13 says what this guy says. Yeah. Bull crap. Let's see it. The leaders subverting the laws of God caused these crimes against nature to resurface once again in Judges 19. Same-sex intercourse is something that occurs in nature. It is not a crime against nature in any way, shape, or form. Oh, you're gay, dude. And the reference to Judges 19 creates more problems for this creator's rhetoric than it solves because that is a more clear demonstration of the fact that the problem is a display of Of inhospitality. We've got a very similar story. Somebody from outside is staying the night, is seeking hospitality within this town explicitly because it is supposed to be an Israelite town and they should be able to find greater hospitality in the town. (laughs) But the men of the town, again, threaten sexual assault against the visitor, a gross display of inhospitality. Mm. Now in Genesis 19, Lot offers to send out uh, his two daughters, which does not ultimately happen. In Judges 19, the man does send out his concubine and she is ultimately assaulted throughout the night, ultimately resulting in her death. And the man the next morning callously steps over her dying body and barks at her to get up because they got to hurry 
and when he understands what has happened, he dismembers her and sends pieces to all of the tribes of Israel, not to show that these men wanted to have same-sex intercourse with me, but to show that the inhospitality, <laughs> the gross wickedness of Israel had boiled over and had resulted in this crime against what is ultimately his property, but a woman who was sexually assaulted. So what is being identified as the problem is the sexual assault that is a gross display of inhospitality. Okay. Every time this guy says inhospitality, his hell just gets a little bit hotter. I'm just going to say that right oh, now. Every time he says gross display of so, inhospitality. Notice what he's doing, okay? Oh, because man. he's saying that, that I misinterpreted Judges 19. or Yeah, Judges 19. Because obviously Genesis 19 and Judges 19 are practically the identical events taking place. Okay? Where you have the sons of Belial, you have the sodomites who are seeking to rape an individual. They want to have sex with a man, mm -hmm. okay? And the case in Judges 19 is that they settle for his concubine, and they assault her, they, they rape her, and essentially murder her, right? Yeah. But he's saying that, he's again, he's trying to make a distinction between rape and men with men burning in their lust one toward another, which is essentially what reprobates do today to try to justify pedophilia. Right. Because they call it minor attracted people, right? Yeah. Whereas we know they are raping the child. Right. They're molesting the child. But the reprobates who are minor attracted people would take his view. Yeah, yeah, that's a great and, point. And say, no, 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 well, no. Uh, the Genesis 19 account, they were sexually assaulting them. That's not the same thing, you know. They, these people love one no. You're basically separating the two when God lumps them together. Yeah. Yep. So God views a man with man doing that which is unseemly, whether actively, right, if they're active about it or not, as being an abomination. Yep. And he views the person who is raping an individual, being another man or a child, as being just as abominable and worthy of death. Yep. It's because, the same thing. It's the same thing because the person is incontinent. Right. They cannot restrain themselves. So whether you want to call it rape or want to call it with someone who's just actively participating, in God's eyes, they're exactly the same thing. Yep. But you see how he can you see how he twists that and yeah. how people today twist that to make it seem as though, no, we're not raping the children. We're just attracted to them. Wicked, it's a, it's, perverse, it's the same disgusting. Thing. It's the same yeah. argument. Yep. And he said something else, but I forgot what he said. Oh, it's ridiculous. I mean, there's so many things. But he at first he's saying, again, this whole inhospitable thing. It's like, no, oh, no one let him in. You know, like that's him being inhospitable. Like no one brought him into his home or something like that. Like that's part of the problem or something. And then at the end, after, you know, the you know, he gives this concubine over and they rape her all the night long, which again, I, again, this is why I have a problem is he's calling it inhospitable. It's like that that's disgusting that you're just calling it inhospitable. That's so much worse to be gang raped and killed by a bunch of sodomites. I mean, to call it inhospitable, mm -hmm. you're weird, dude. Okay, but, listen up. The fact that these guys wanted to penetrate a man, period. Yeah. Is what they're being put to death for. Yeah. The fact that they're raping people is just added on top of that. Right. So it's just like, well, no, it's okay to penetrate. It's it's okay to do these filthy acts as long as they're not raping someone wrong. That's not what the Bible says. Right. All right, go to the next one. 
sorry one more thing on that too though he the part where he got really angry about was the guys you know he's like oh he just barked at his at the concubine or whatever like walking over her it's like he's almost more mad at that guy for what he did than at the sodomites than at the sodomites yeah yeah i I noticed that all right go ahead Unless you think these are isolated incidents of the Old Testament, the New Testament states in Jude 1-7, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So this is a gross misreading of Jude. <laughs> I think I love that word gross. The context here indicates this has something to do with the relationship of angels to humans. And the relevant Greek phrase is sarkositeras, which means different. He showed us. Teras is where we get the word hetero from. What does other flesh refer to? Well, it refers to flesh that isn't human. It refers to flesh <laughs> that is angelic. Oh, does there it? There actually been debates around this time period of the sexual compatibility of angels and humans. And this arose in response to the reading of Genesis 6 that is offered by the book of Enoch. It understands the B'nai Elohim, the children of God of Genesis 6, as angels who came down and had offspring with human women. And then some other people said, well, no, angels can't rebel the way the B'nai Elohim are described as rebelling in Genesis 6. And there's also no sexual compatibility between angels and humans. And so another reading developed of Genesis 6 as a reference to humans as the B'nai Elohim, and particularly the line of Seth. And so the idea is that part of the wickedness was these angels seeking sexual relationships with humans. And so Jude 1-7 is escalating the crime of the men of Sodom against these visitors as not only the threat of sexual assault, but again, trying to cross those boundaries that ought not to be crossed. Humans going after the flesh of angels, which was inappropriate. This has absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with same-sex intercourse. Wow. And this creator <laughs> is simply misreading a bunch of passages of the Bible. Grossly. Okay. Nonsense. Bull to its max. So he's saying that the strange flesh in Jude 1-7, he claims, because it's heteros, okay, sarcos heteros, <laughs> it's referring to another flesh, which is, that's correct. Okay, uh, sarcos, the way you say it, sarcos, is referring to flesh, body. And then heteros, of course, eteros, is referring to another. But notice, it doesn't say angel. Right. Because he says, which is referring to angels. <laughs> oh, really? That's funny that nowhere in the New Testament does it ever describe angels as being, uh, you know, eteros. Ateros means another. That word is used multiple times in the New Testament to just describe another. And sarcos is just flesh. So they're going after strange flesh, which another word for strange is what? Queer. Queer flesh. Yeah. Okay? Things that they should not be going after. So he claims that Jude 1-7 is stating that the men of Sodom were perverse because they're going after celestial beings. Okay? Which is false because they didn't know they were celestial beings. Exactly. They just said, who are the men who came in to sojourn among you, right? Yeah, yeah they and called them men. They, they called them men. Then, oh, who are the angels that are... They didn't say who are the angels. They thought that they were men. Yeah. And in fact, when Lot came out, what did they tell Lot? They said, you know, oh, this man's being a judge. Like, we're going to do worse with thee than with them. Exactly. So, he's so they, they're fine with doing it to Lot, too. It's not just the angels that they were after, exactly. if that's the claim. 
Exactly. It's a lot as well. And then Judges 19 as well. They had no problem if it was the man. And then obviously the man gave the concubine. So because the, these perverts, it doesn't matter, you know, man, woman, boy or girl. It doesn't matter what it these doesn't people. Matter. It doesn't matter what these freaks. Jude 7 needs to be interpreted using Romans 1. Yep. Specifically talks about that even as they do not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. And it talks about men with men burning in their lust one toward another, mm-hmm. working that which is unseemly. Yeah. That's how you describe it. Okay. Yeah. Strange flesh is the fact that they're going after another flesh that's completely unnatural. And in yeah. fact, the Bible calls it that. It's against nature. That's yeah. what it refers to it as. Now, let's just pretend for a minute that strange flesh in Jude 1.7 is talking about angels. Let's say, okay, let's just give them that, which I don't believe. Right. But let's just say that it's referring to angels. Well, sorry, Second Peter 2, verses 6 and 7 still says that prior to the angels coming to Sodom and Gomorrah, that Lot was vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked and that he was did he was vexed with their unlawful deeds, meaning their sodomy that they were committing. Right. Yep. That's what they he was disgusted with. Yeah. That's what he was vexed with. Yeah, this guy's playing off of the ignorance of his audience that they haven't read, you know, the the Genesis all the way through because again, it's the same point. You need to read Genesis 13, you need to read Genesis 18, you need to yep. read Genesis 19, you need to read Judges 19, you need to read Romans 1, you need to read 2 Peter chapter 2, you need to read the book of Jude. Yep. And Rome I mean, I don't know if I said Romans 1, but yeah, Romans 1. <laughs> yep. Where it explicitly shows you through and through who these people are and what yeah. they're doing. And so, you know, this and, is oh, go ahead. And throughout the whole and even after Sodom and Gomorrah is destroyed, the Bible still talks about sodomites. They they still label a group of people called sodomites. And it's like, well, are they people that survived Sodom and Gomorrah? Because no one survived Sodom and Gomorrah. By the Gomorrah. way, he addresses that. Uh-huh. And it's a really stupid interpretation because he says they're male prostitutes. But nowhere in the Bible does it say that. He was saying earlier that they weren't cultic prostitutes. Yeah, so but, he, he but he's describing himself. the First Kings 15. He says, oh, yeah, those were cultic prostitutes. Where it doesn't say anything of that. Uh, this guy just The reason the Bible uses Sodomites is because it's trying to cause us to recall the events of Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis 19. Exactly. Because he's not going to explicitly tell. Like when it says that they removed the Sodomites out of the land, you're not going to have to ask, oh, why were they called Sodomites for? Yeah. Well, reference Genesis 19, and they'll tell you what they were doing there. Right. Bottom line, you know, and this is why the victims in Sodom, because they recruit people. Yep. That's why it says both young and old. Yep. That's why they were crying out, right? Because of all the crimes that were being committed there. And that's why God chose to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. That's why this guy's going to burn in hell. And I don't care if yeah. he watches this video. You're going to burn in hell. You're a wicked bastard and you're perverting God's word. Make another video about me. I'll debunk that one too. Yeah. Piece of trash who is essentially giving ammo to the pedophiles of this world is yeah. what he's doing. Yeah, this guy's not helping Christians out. This guy's helping the most wicked, disgusting people imaginable. This guy's a piece given, of trash. Yeah. And so I don't even know what his name is, but who cares what his name is? You know, his name's Anath- already blotted out of the book of life anyways. <laughs> yeah. so anathema, that's his name. Let him be anathema. So anyways, folks, hope you enjoyed that episode. You know, I always enjoy talking about the Bible and debunking these false prophets. And so, again, you can listen to these full episodes on the Rod of Iron podcast on Spotify. Make sure you go give it a rating and listen to them, share them on your social media platforms. And we're looking forward to another great episode coming uh, in the coming uh, weeks or so. Actually, we're going to be uploading pretty much every single week. And so uh, to kind of um, just put the content out there. But, uh, Cody. 
Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Looking forward Thanks to for seeing you me. again. God bless everyone. Have a good night.